Have you heard about the new handicapping and betting app that is sweeping the nation? It's called First Bet, and it puts the power of AI-assisted handicapping, seamless wagering, and live HD video in the palm of your hand. Thousands of bettors have already made First Bet their way to handicap, bet, and watch more than 300 of the world's top tracks. Isn't it time for you to join them? And when you give First Bet a try today, you can cash in on a huge welcome bonus. Sign up with promo code Sport of Kings, all one word, and you will get $10 just for joining as well as a 10% rebate, up to $500 for your first 30 days. With that much free cash on the line, what do you have to lose? Get started at first.com slash bet. That's number one, st.com slash bet. And don't forget promo code Sport of Kings when you sign up. And if you already have an ExpressBet account, you're way ahead of the game. Simply log into FirstBet using your username and password, and you're off to the races. Up to 18 years or older and 21 years old in certain states to open an account with FirstBet and reside in the state where such activity is legal, void to prohibit National Gambling Support Line 800-522-4700. The biggest and best of the Northwest just got even better. Introducing the all-new Muckleshoot Rewards Program with three tiers and extraordinary benefits. Play with your Muckleshoot Rewards card to earn points for free play and qualify for dining discounts, gifts, and much more. The more you play, the more you earn. Enjoy more benefits than ever before with the new Muckleshoot Rewards Program. Muckleshoot Casino, the biggest and best in the Northwest. Papa's Golden Boy has a lead by six lengths over Slew's Tiz Wiz, who's a clear-cut second and cutting into the margin, but they only got a sixteenth of a mile left to travel. Papa's Golden Boy leads by three. Slew's Tiz Wiz outside second. Papa's Golden Boy wants the finish line. Papa's Golden Boy holds over Slew's Tiz Wiz. Papa's Golden Boy gets that two-turn stakes victory. Horse Racing Northwest Breeders' Cup Edition. As we listen to Papa's Golden Boy, the Washington bred sprint superstar, winning that Muckleshoot Tribal Classic closing weekend at Emerald Downs, winning around two turns for the first time, getting a little payback to Slew's Tiz Wiz as well. And uh, Vince, uh, Bill Downs is going to be joining us later, as well as Anthony Stabile and John White on this Breeders' Cup edition. But uh, Papa in action again. He is. It's opening day at uh, Turf Paradise on uh, same day as the first day of the Breeders' Cup. And he is in 7-2 on the morning line in the Hank Mills Senior, which uh, will go as the feature on opening day at Turf Paradise. Very tough race. Yeah. And uh, be very interesting. Uh, Papa's going to be tough on the front end, but contention is deep in there. Yeah, there's a lot of other quality speed in there. That is the seventh race at Turf Paradise on Friday, November 4th, their opening day. It'll be after the Breeders' Cup races on Friday. So a lot of great action there. And Turf Paradise is going to follow that up on Saturday. And Blazing Bella Blue is in a $60,000 stake as well, also at 4 p.m. on Saturday afternoon. Blazing Bella Blue, the reigning Washington Horse of the Year. And she had a really good fall uh, last year down in Phoenix. She's in the Jeff and Jack Cody Sr. Uh, four to one on the morning line there. Yeah. And as you mentioned, Joe, she uh, had uh, has three starts there with two wins and a uh, second at Phoenix. So she's done really well. And she should be fresh. She had that long layoff coming into the 
Washington Cup, and that was another great race in the Washington it Cup was. with her in Zip and Sevens. Yep, she won that Blazing Bella Blue, reigning Washington Horse of the Year. So some great action for Washington Breads down at Turf Paradise. We'll talk about some of the horsemen down there in a moment. Hey, it's Breeders' Cup Week, and joining us on the show today, Joe with Vince Brune, also Anthony Stabile, the Big A from New York, John White from Southern California, and Emerald Downs track announcer Bill Downs. He is going to be at Keeneland this weekend, site of the Breeders' Cup. Let me give you a few particulars if you're coming out this weekend. Gates open at 8 a.m. on Friday, November 4th here at Emerald Downs. The fifth floor is open. First come, first serve. Programs and forms at the Customer Service Center. The bar opens at 9 a.m. Quick Picks opens earlier, right when the gates open. Quick picks opening at 8 a.m. That's the Friday schedule. So 8 a.m. opening here on Breeders' Cup Friday. And Saturday, November 5th, the big day for the Breeders' Cup. Gates open at 7 a.m. Quick picks opens at 7 a.m. The third and fifth floors open at 7 a.m. So get here early. Uh, programs and forms available at the customer service Center on uh, floor five and the Blinkers Bar. Blinkers opens at 9 a.m., by the way, 9 a.m. for that. Uh, Classics opens at 9 a.m. as well. And uh, we will have a breakfast buffet available on the fifth floor from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m., just $15, including tax, a breakfast buffet on Saturday, Breeders' Cup Saturday. 9 to 11 a.m. for just 15 bucks. So uh, get your seats early. First come, first serve. Again, gates open Saturday at 7 a.m. And, and uh, Vince, what a buildup to the Breeders' Cup Classic. Uh, all these great races over Friday and Saturday. Then you've got this horse named Flightline who is going to run in the Classic, the final Breeders' Cup race Saturday afternoon. Yeah, and a lot of people will be singling him in a lot of the wagers. Um my only, the only possible chink I see in his armor, you know, if you look at his PPs, he's, that race in the Pacific Classic was awesome. <laughs> um, he's, this is a relatively short time in between races as far as his career has been concerned. Okay. And uh, I've noticed John Sadler has really been cranking on him in the workouts, as you would expect before a Breeders' Cup Classic. But he's been going six furlongs virtually every Saturday since that uh, Pacific Classic. So, uh you know, they're always, they make, you got to run to get the money, right? Joe, I don't want to use oh, every boy. cliche. They all get beat or whatever. But yeah, he's, we use the word superstar sparingly, but he he is a superstar. One of the most sensational horses in the last 50 years, uh, you know, Secretariat's Belmont Stakes is a huge standard in this sport. And that was uh, 49 years ago now. Flight line coming off a 19 length victory in the Pacific Classic. Eased up. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> Okay, so there's some Breeders' Cup info. And by the way, Emerald Downs is open seven days a week now for full-card simulcasting. And those of you in the player rewards uh, system, you get double points on every track on Monday and Tuesday. So double points on your rewards card uh, every Monday and Tuesday for every track. And if you want to join the Emerald Downs Players Reward, it's free. You can call the track, call the customer service center, or... Uh, check out one of the customer service centers on the weekend. Well, Vince, we had a significant passing in our sport here in Washington this past weekend. Uh, Victor the Predictor Cazetti. 
passed away at the age of 93. And uh, boy, he was, his history in this sport in media is comprehensive. Yeah, Victor died uh, early Sunday morning. He had been in an assisted living facility down in Puyallup. He had been in good hands. We've seen him down there and uh, very still very sad to get the news. Yep. That, uh, a real staple. And uh, boy, Joe, you and I, of course, have known him. Just about everybody in racing in Washington knew Vic. And he did all forms of media. He did, you know, he was involved in uh, television and certainly his radio show there in the 70s and early 80s you know before the internet um was a staple you had to if you wanted the race results that night everyone listened to vic you know he was a handicapper in the newspaper he even had a once the internet came along he had predictorsays.com he was always on the lookout to find a niche and did it very well he was involved in uh Many other things, even equine insurance. You know, he at Long Acres, he did a lot of work in the standings. He worked here in the TV department uh, at Emerald Downs with uh, with you, Joe, and he was just a fixture in the press box at Long Acres and at Emerald Downs. And, uh, you know, I'm sure there's been a lot of Victor the Predictor stories being talked about yeah. by handicappers here the last few days. You, me and you, Joe, me and you could tell a lot of stories about Vic, but at heart, he was a decent man. And, um, one thing we both talked about, you know, Vic could be a little bit abrasive at time, but it wasn't any meanness or anything. That was just him. And the, the one thing about it was with Victor, everything was always good. The next day you were always, uh, if you, you know what I mean, he was, uh, I certainly do. He did not carry anything with him and, uh, he let it go. And, uh, <laughs> You know, even things like managing the softball team at a track had or something. And he, he grew up in Spokane and played ball at uh, Gonzaga Prep. And uh, his nickname in baseball, I guess, was Spider. And he played even semi-pro ball over in uh, Montana. And then later on, when he came over to Western Washington, he was uh, a big guy down in Tacoma, right? He was involved in youth sports and umpired baseball and refereed football and basketball. And he knew all the Stan Nacarados and the Clay Huntingtons and yeah. all the big wigs down there. And uh, he was just an involved man. Yes, indeed. And yeah, we all had little disagreements with Vic. He had that type of personality. He would, you, you know, he'd challenge you or if you tried to correct him. Sometimes you'd get challenged and but you're exactly right. I mean, he had so many of those probably at home and work that he learned how to to uh, forget about those quickly and everything was great the next day. And, um, yeah, here at Emerald Down. Well, let me just one quick story. Personally, um, his radio show became absolutely huge in the 70s. He started at uh, uh, Channel 13. There was a little niche to do some race results on Bob Corcoran's TV show in the early 70s. And he kind of got in with Long Acres and he really embraced the sport. And then a radio show came about and that was just really something. You know, uh, Long Acres, of course, uh, every track in the country in the 70s was going up 10% in handle on attendance every year, including Long Acres and the interest was very high, and so he became uh, the result voice and also at Portland Meadows. So I was working for KVI Radio, and I was already a race fan growing up just up the hill from Long Acres. And uh, I, I used to call the track for uh, to get guests. And, you know, J. Michael Kenyon, our host at 7-Eleven Sports on KVI, was a big racing fan, so I got to know 
you know, Mark Kaufman mostly out there. And I'd go out and visit, go up the press box. And Vic was kind of the star yes, because sir. he was well known. And he was right in the middle, he was both right literally there. and figuratively. His yeah. big personality. And, you know, Vic was the guy, you, you know, and you always said hi to him, got introduced to everybody else, but he was the guy that was known. And he had that big voice. Yeah. And at Emerald Downs, boy, he was involved in so many TV, uh, Handicapper's Corner with myself for several years, uh, Stakes Picks. Uh, him and I and Robert Geller did Stakes Picks for several years that were on our replay show and Fast Track. We showed that at the track and on our replay show. The Vic Pick 3, that was going on. And then that came, that turned into Vic's Trips, uh, he was on our four-hour Comcast show. Uh, he did an Angles from Experts, as a matter of fact, too. And uh, let's listen to Victor the Predictor Cassetti. When you open up the racing form, the first thing you do is go through it and take all those horses that ran, ran, ran last time out, and you notice that they ran fourth or worse, beaten less than five lengths, and circle them. That's what I do. And then after you do that, then you get your program. I put down, and I'll go through like this on there, and I'll put down SP to remind myself that that is a system play. But last Saturday, I was really excited about Cross Creek. Cross Creek was about five to two in the morning, line of four to one, but nevertheless was overlaid that day. And I think he paid about 13 or $14, ran, ran the speed down late. So Cross Creek was one of the ones that I remember just last, last Saturday it was. Yeah, the Angles from Experts was just a few years ago. That was Victor doing his uh, system play. And that's a funny story. And Vince, you know this one. Uh, so... Vic was going to do his system play. And, you know, we had so many people involved in angles from experts yourself, myself, John Lindley, Doug Perry, uh, Tom Harris, Gary Doherty, um, just a bunch of people uh, involved in that doing different ones. And Vic was going to do his. So we had it lined up. Okay, your week is this week. So we're doing the Comcast show, that four hour show we had Saturdays. And Vic was down in the paddock the last couple of years. So uh, early in the show, Vic uh, referred to uh, his system play. This is a system play horse. And then about two races later, he refers to his uh, system play horse again. And I've got another, I've got a system play horse here. So then I go, well, Vic, let's explain. No, 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 we're not going to, no, not, that's next week. Yeah, no, uh, no, we're not doing that now. You know, right on the air, he I think a couple of fans might have been thinking about, well, what is this system? You know, you're picking the horse. Let's hear what the system is. And, and he didn't want to unveil it because it was going to be his feature in, in about a week or 10 days. So uh, that, I always got a kick out of that one. He, and But there was, you know, tons of stories because he did have that personality. And, you know, I, I, I omitted one of the things he did, too, was his syndicates, which syndicates. were very big. Um Newsletters, syndicates, newsletter, seminars. And yeah, his. You know, now syndicates are pretty common. You yeah. know, you look at the ownership, but he developed media stables back in the seventies, and then some of you may recall SKS Susan K, named after one of his wives, Susan K Stables, and then here at Emerald Downs, Victory Stables, mm -hmm. and including you know he's all heart, who Muckleshoot. was his last winner and also won the Muckleshoot Tribal Classic in twenty eleven. So. Yeah. Again, Vic was, he was, you know, he was on kind of the cutting edge there for a while. If there was something new coming out, he stuck his nose right in there and, and figured out how to do it. And he executed it and he delivered. Yeah. Made some money off it uh, because there was a following. Found some niches where he could get information out as well as make a few bucks. And he was fantastic at that. Uh, 
And he worked all the way up until uh, age 89. Uh, Gary Norton did a really nice thing picking him up and dropping him off at his uh, uh, facility there in Puyallup uh, that whole season. of. Uh, That's right. Yeah. And, you know, anyone, we've experienced this, Joe, you know, we're getting a little longer in the tooth, but we're not quite there yet. But we know some elderly people. Handicapping is a great thing for someone who was Vic's age. You well know, you said. read that form and yep. it keeps you sharp and you're thinking and, you know, and it's a fun activity, you know. So it's, uh, can't recommend it enough. And it certainly helped kept Vic going. He was doing picks in the program even right up there till the end. That's and, right, yeah. And he had some success there too. And, you know, and then Vic wasn't afraid to let you know if he picked a winner. We know that. And, and a winner for Vic often was uh, <laughs> finishing first, second, or third. Yeah, he, yeah. he considered that a triumph. <laughs> okay. And uh, we could joke about that. But yeah, yeah he, he was, you know, he was still doing that at age, almost age 90. Yeah. Victor the Predictor Cassetti passing away last Sunday at the age of 93 and uh, just left a huge legacy in this sport. Well, we're going to talk a lot of Breeders' Cup today, as you might expect. Um, John White will join us in the second segment, Bill Downs in the third. But for right now, let's hear from the big A, Anthony Stabil, on some Breeders' Cup activity. Anthony, the big ace to Bill, joining us on Horse Racing Northwest Breeders' Cup Week. And always great to have Anthony on any time of the year. Not quite as many fixes as we used to get, big A, with uh, the Win Play Show on KJR. But uh, here we are, Breeders' Cup Week. And you know it's going to be a great buildup to 5.40 p.m. Eastern Time this Saturday, the Breeders' Cup Classic. Um, and you are well aware of this superstar flight line. Uh, and in the past, maybe a good afternoon to you. And you have faded West Coast superstars a little bit over the years. I have, but even I and my strong <laughs> East Coast bias cannot get past the great flight line, Joe. Oh, yeah. Um, and it's great to be on the, the pod. Um, yeah, he's just too good. From seven to a mile and a quarter, he has shown his dominance, and he can win from on the lead or off the pace. He'll probably have to sit off a life as good on Saturday, and I think he will. But I think the way to play the race is to fade life as good. I don't think he wants to go this far. I certainly not going to want to do it with that gorilla hounding him for the first five-eighths of a mile or so. So I would imagine somebody's going to pick up the pieces. I think it'll be one of the three-year-olds, um, okay. most likely epicenter. If I were to fall asleep an hour before the Classic and you woke me up two hours later and said, hey, Flightline didn't win the Breeders' Cup Classic, <laughs> I would guess Epicenter did because okay. there was some monumental pace collapse and Joel Rosario had him in the right place. Um, but I don't see that happening. I just think this horse is impervious to speed duels, Flightline, and I don't think it matters. And I think Epicenter will come along for second. And Taba, he's done very, very little wrong in a short career. They threw him to the proverbial wolves in the Derby. Probably should have won the Haskell with a cleaner trip. He's done nothing wrong. So um, he's a nice horse. I don't think the older horses are in the class of flight line, really. I think Epicenter rounds out a, a chalky-ish exactor. Anthony, the big ace to Bill, has done so many great, so much great work for Northwest horse racing fans since uh, around 2003. And it just it's always great to have you on our Breeders' Cup podcast. We're not doing too many podcasts after the Emerald Down season ends in September. But here we are. And, yeah, the buildup to 2.40 p.m. P 
Pacific time for that classic. It's just going to be awesome with all these fantastic races over two days. And then you've got one of the best horses in the last 50 years going in the classic, the final Breeders' Cup race. Well, your overall feelings on the cup this year? I'm looking forward to some of these races. Um, I think there are some vulnerable favorites. I wish I had some real outside-the-box thoughts as far as beating these favorites. I'm kind of logical in the horses I think can get beat, the favorites that can get beat, but I still think there's some money to be made, and I think we're going to see some fun races. Um, Friday's a little bit of a crapshoot. Mm-hmm. The Future Stars Friday, to me, nothing really sticks out. I mean, I guess Cave Rock is going to be really tough to beat. Not uh, not any money really to be made in there. Um, I wanted to pick Forte against him, but he's just loose, and he's just so much faster on the figs and on paper and on the racetrack, most importantly, that it was hard for me to pick against him. So um, I'll use the two of them and. One big pick five, six, and then I'll come back and single Cave Rock and most of my other plays on Friday. But Saturday's interesting. I think Echo Zulu has a good chance to win the Philly Mare Sprint at a little bit of a price. Yeah, I saw she was 6-1 to one morning line. That surprised me a little bit. Yeah, I think she's going to run really, really well. Um, good night, Olive. is going to be tough, but I'm going to make a win bet on Echo Zulu and probably come back on an exacta box. With Goodnight Olive, maybe even throw obligatory and Frank's Rockhead in a couple of exacta boxes with Echo Zulu. In the filling in there turf, I'm hoping an Italian can take him gate to wire mm. and just go wire to wire with Joel Rosario for Chad Brown. I'll make a box with Nashua. That looks a little chalky. You know, ordinarily chalky's not for me, but those two just look like they're hands and, and hooves above the rest, if you will. Yeah. So. But I'll try and get loosey-goosey with uh, an Italian and Joel Rosario in there. Going to go back to one of my favorites, Hall of Famer Bill Mott in a sprint. I think Jackie's Warrior is the horse to beat. And if he is ridden correctly, and Joel Rosario does an amazing job with him, but I would just blast off. I would have a three- or four-length lead. Let a horse like Elite Power, who I think can upset him. I'm going to bet Elite Power. Okay. I'm just hoping to lay up second or third behind him and, and pick him up late. He's in good form. And when those horses get in good form, they usually hold that he picks up a Ratterty's Jr. for this race on Saturday. So I'll try Elite Power against Jackie's Warrior, but again, use the two of them. That kicks off the late pick five. i use the two of them. I would imagine the strongest non-flight line opinion I have is I am a huge Nest fan. Yes, you are. And I think she will dominate the distaff. I think she is a really, really nice filly, like a generational kind of filly. And I think she will dominate that race. My biggest concern isn't even Malafat. My biggest concern is society getting loose on the front end. But Nest has this newfound tactical speed the last three or four starts that I think the Rad can lay her up in the right spot. So I'm going to try and get a 6-8 home there. That's going to be my biggest bet of the weekend, I think. Nest over society and try and get home like a $35 exacta. What's the word on uh, Clarier? I know you've been in her corner a little bit over the past couple of years, and she's coming up, uh, you know, a rare, poor effort, especially. Well, for- she was she was really fractious in the gate of the personal incident. She yeah. hit her head, um, and it was too late to really get her out of there, and they sprung the latch, and she went around there, and, you know, Joel just kind of protected her. I don't know how the race shape sets up for her. I don't think it sets up particularly well for her. 
And I also think that despite some of her better races this year, I think she's better around one turn. Belmont Park, namely, where she's able to just get into that beat going a mile and a 16th and a mile and an eighth with a four and a half or five front long straight runs at a big turn and then just deal with that one big turn as opposed to the two tighter turns at Keeneland. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm a huge Nest fan. I just think, you know, from the time she finished second in our Belmont Stakes yep. till now, she has just really turned into a, a beast. Superstar. And yeah, she's a nice filly. She's a really nice filly. And you know, it's been a privilege to watch her. I've gotten to see her in all of these starts in the Coaching Club American Oaks in the Alabama, literally at the, sitting at the 16th pole in the box area with my man Louis Lazanaro, right behind Michael Foley and his contingent, just watching her gallop past. And I mean, she wins these races in common gallops. Her older horse debut in the Bell Dame, she won by almost 10 lengths. She didn't beat much, but she did it the right way. She did it the way you want to see her do it. And like I said, I've, over, I've preached this for almost 20 years out in the Pacific Northwest. Aggression, speed, use a horse's speed. And since they've used her speed, not that she's blazing fast, but whoever would have thought she'd have won the coaching club American Oaks on the front end with Secret Oath chasing her. Mm-hmm. Um, she's just turned into another dimension, and she's just, in, she's just a different kind of filly right now. Yeah, she's won at four different tracks this year, including Keeneland. The race scene for Saturday. Anthony- you forget about the Ashland, right? You almost forget about the Ashland because it's almost like there's two different versions of Nest. The one from the Kentucky Oaks back and the one from the Belmont Stakes forward. Okay. It's almost I almost look at them like two different horses. And she did win a couple of times as a two year old, so it wasn't as if she was not very promising. But uh, it's just uh, been sensational here the last few months. For Nest, a daughter of Curlin. And Big A uh, on her, certainly in the Belmont Stakes against the boys, where she ran huge at 5-1. to one and three. I'll, give you a little, I'll give you a little peek. A little bit of a live long shot, I think, on Friday is Lost Ark, who's okay. her half-brother. Nest's half-brother ah. for Todd. He did not. He did not have the cleanest trip in the British Security, but I liked that he got the race over the course, and he goes from a couple of riders who are a little bit more complacent to Luis Saez, who you know is going to jack him out of there and get him involved early. So if you're looking for a price on Friday to get into your gimmicks, Lost Ark yep. might be the one in the juvenile. Twenty to one morning line and. Uh, yeah, two wins prior to that breeder's futurity behind Forte. Uh, maybe is there one bet against uh, as a favorite uh, over the next couple of days? I don't like CC for a quarter in the Philly in their sprint. Okay. Full disclosure. Second last Didn't year. like CC for a quarter in the Philly in their <laughs> sprint last year. Yeah. Gallop. But oh. this race shapes up a lot differently. It's not Gamine and fellow Sophia banging heads for the first four and a half rounds, you know, it's, it's a little bit more of a patient kind of race up front, I think. And I don't, I think she's lost a step and I'm like, I'm against CC on Saturday. Very good. Okay. Well, uh, just, uh, so much great racing over the next couple of days with the big fields, by the way, the, uh, pick five last year, on Saturday, paid forty-eight thousand, but we know what happened with March Lorraine and E Beer and so forth. I can't even remember who won the mile last year, but I know it was a long shot. Uh, doesn't look quite that way for this year, but uh, we got to run those races. And uh, 
Anthony, you have a great cup. Uh, just great to see you and uh, Front and Central on Naira Racing and the Fox Show and, uh, of course, Talking Horses several days a week. All, all the picks, Joe, are up at NairaBets.com in the form of a couple of tip sheets. There's also three blogs up, two of which, one is the race of the Mustard Race of the Week, which is the classic. There's a play up for that, and then there's four or five other plays up for some of the races throughout the weekend that I talked about here and maybe one or two more. So head over to NairaBets.com under the expert picks uh, for more details. There it is. Anthony, thanks so much for joining us. Have a great weekend. You got it, Joe. Have a great Breeders' Cup, everyone. Thanks much to Anthony Stabil. Caught up with him earlier today as we head into the Breeders' Cup weekend for 2022. We'll be right back with segment two here on Horse Racing Northwest. Have you heard about the new handicapping and betting app that is sweeping the nation? It's called First Bet, and it puts the power of AI-assisted handicapping, seamless wagering, and live HD video in the palm of your hand. Thousands of bettors have already made First Bet their way to handicap, bet, and watch more than 300 of the world's top tracks. Isn't it time for you to join them? And when you give First Bet a try today, you can cash in on a huge welcome bonus. Sign up with promo code SPORTOFKINGS, all one word, and you will get $10 just for joining, as well as a 10% rebate, up to $500 for your first. 30 days. With that much free cash on the line, what do you have to lose? Get started at first.com slash bet. That's number one, st.com slash bet. And don't forget promo code Sport of Kings when you sign up. And if you already have an ExpressBet account, you're way ahead of the game. Simply log into FirstBet using your username and password, and you're off to the races. Up to 18 years or older and 21 years old in certain states to open an account with FirstBet and reside in the state where such activity is legal, void or prohibited, national gambling support line 800-522-4700. Major Fed takes after the leader, five-star general. These two going at it. Five-star general has the lead. Major Fed is there alongside Ethical Judgment and Third Meister, fourth, and five-star general opens back up. Five-star general, two wins today for Corey Landry. Five-star general wins it. Five-star general with a huge victory at Keeneland on October 20th, owned by Ken L. Haddaf of the El Stable. Uh, trained this year at Emerald Downs by Doris Harwood. Doris, of course, retired, and uh, Grant Forrester in charge. That was a great win, and uh, we picked up on five-star general here in three straight Long Acres miles, Vince. Yeah, uh, what is it? One of only, is it two horses? To to finish in the money in three miles, which is... Three a, consecutive Three miles. consecutive miles, which is a, a whale of an accomplishment, and uh, did everything here but win, but oh. certainly acquitted himself well. And, you know, in, in that allowance race, he ran after the mile where he did uh, just yes. about everything but win. But he'd shown a kind of a different dimension there when he was gunned out onto the lead. And he parlayed that over at uh, Keeneland. That's right. Very sharp there. Grant Forster with the trainer and Corey Lannery with a heads-up ride. They had the inside draw, and they went right to the lead. And he backed up the pace. And, boy, you know, I felt uh, – I was happy to watch him run. But, you know, when you miss an, a wagering opportunity, I had a little sinking feeling halfway through the race. Oh, yeah. boy, this horse is loose on the lead and he's going the half and what 49 or 50 or something and when he just went the half at emerald in that uh allowance versus lose his whiz complicate who complicate one that was uh 45 right or... and, and even if the track is maybe a little slower time wise yeah. there still that's quite a difference as you said and he's just too good a horse to let go on the lead like that i did notice he looked very sharp in the post parade that day and hey hats off to ken el hat stable yep. doris harwood did a fine job training here uh 
uh, Grant Forrester back there, and uh, he's a nice horse. And I know some eyebrows were raised when they paid, you know, over a hundred thousand for him in that Glen Todd dispersal sale. But I dare say they've done well. They've done great. Uh, career earnings now for Five Star General at four hundred and twenty-five thousand dollars, eight for twenty-four lifetime. He does happen to be zero for seven at Emerald Downs, but again, three straight placings in the mile, tying tying a mark that Stryker PhD had. Stryker had a second and then two wins in the mile in three consecutive years. And Grant Forster pointed out that he's won at Hastings, Keeneland, Aqueduct, and Laurel. And how many horses in history can uh, say that? Probably one. Yeah, exactly. Probably one. So nice win there. And uh, keep an eye out for him again in the Midwest where Grant Forster has his horses. Uh, Speaking of horses and horsemen, uh, we've got a lot of people from Emerald Downs that are going to be in action, uh, mostly down in Phoenix in this fall and winter. Yeah, it's going to be a good meet down in Phoenix. Um, They've had those increased purses down there last year. Of course, they have a turf course, and uh, it dovetails nicely at the end of our meet into theirs, and theirs will end right about when we probably start up again. But anyhow, Frank Lucarelli, our all-time leading trainers and evidence down there, you mentioned uh, Papa's Golden Boy, Vince Gibson. Uh, actually, it'll be Ashley Potts down yes. there, who's Vince's longtime and very capable assistant uh, up at Emeralds. You'll see uh, a lot of those horses in her name down there. Uh, some other people will see Blaine Wright, of course, always one of the top trainers at Golden Gate. Does occasionally ship some down to Southern California as well. Dan Markle at Golden Gate, Joe Toy. Our training champion here in 2021, he always has a strong presence again at Turf Paradise. Uh, Jorge Rosales coming off his uh, first Emerald Downs try. try see, uh, we'll get it out there. Title is down at Turf Paradise. Yeah. Jeff Metz, always one of our leaders up here. He's at uh, Phoenix, also has horses in California. You'll see some at uh, Northern California, some in Southern California. Charles Essex. Blazing Bella Blue and some others down there in uh, Turf Paradise with him. Robbie Bays also in uh, Phoenix. Occasional horses at Los Alamitos. Debbie Perry, who had a good meet here down at Turf Paradise. Jesse Velasquez, although they understand at Turf Paradise, they'll be running in Lisa Bays' name you mentioned, Joe. Yeah, at least uh, early in the meet there. I noticed Lisa's got a license. Okay, and Nick Troiani who uh, trains for Jody Peets. He's down at Turf Paradise. Jill Serrano had some nice winners up here at Emerald Downs last year, also at Turf Paradise. Valentin Picho Garcia, very cagey trainer, had a bunch of wins here at Emerald, also at Turf Paradise. Kay Cooper has sent some horses to Phoenix. Who are those with, Joe? Do uh, uh, Dan Morgan, I believe. Dan Morgan, always one of the top trainers down in, uh, in that part down there in the southwest. And Jose Radales, I've noticed, also has some horses down at Los Alamitos. Well, we got a lot to keep track of this you fall bet. and winter. So a uh, uh, big, long list of people staying in action with Emerald Downs horses in Washington. Uh, hey, let's go to our good friend John White on uh, Breeders' Cup week, and uh, let's give John a call. John White joins us on Horse Racing Northwest Breeders' Cup Week. Always a pleasure to have John on, the Spokane native and down in Southern Cal, who's made uh, the morning line for many Breeders' Cups. John, good afternoon. How many Breeders' Cup morning lines have you done? Well, good afternoon to uh, you, Joe, and to Vince, and uh, pleasure to be with you and uh, 
I've made it for seven Breeders' Cups, six yeah. at Santa Anita, and the most recent one last year at Del Mar. And uh, my first Breeders' Cup morning lines, of course, uh, that was when Zenyatta in 2009 oh boy, that was your first. won the Breeders' Cup Classic, uh, one of the most uh, memorable performances in California racing history, if not United States racing history. And I was working for HRTV and Santa Anita TV at the time as well, and uh, I was on set with Joanne Jones right before that Breeders' Cup Classic. And uh, I had made Zenyatta the seven to two, the five to two, I should say, morning line favorite. And uh, so I, there had been some criticism of that. Uh, that Andrew that Byer said a preposterous five to two. Yeah, that was the word preposterous. <laughs> and uh, so, needless to say, when the uh, previous race concluded, and uh, my eyes were fixed on the TV monitor to see what the first click of the odds would be for the Breeders' Cup Classic of 2009. Yeah. She did indeed open as the 5-2 to two favorite on the first click, and this is in racing. She was the 5-2 to two favorite from the first click all the way until she left the starting gate. She was as rock-solid a 5-2 to two favorite <laughs> as you'll ever see in the course what a brilliant performance to win that race. Oh, you know, I didn't know that sequence there about her opening up at 5 to 2 and I think she paid did she pay right at $7 it doesn't matter. She was 5 to 2 and we were we were really happy for you on that because uh not it was your first Breeders' Cup making the morning line with all of those fantastic fields, horses from everywhere. That's make, what makes the Breeders' Cup what it is and then you made her a strong favorite, and she came through, and uh, I wasn't there that day, but uh, so many people said, boy, uh, hor veteran horsemen had tears in their eyes because, again, she did it in her style. She remained undefeated. She could have run in the distaff again and retired undefeated, but they put her on the line, John Sheriffs and the Mosses, and uh, what a fantastic moment that was in the history of North American racing as well as the Breeders' Cup, and we were happy for well, John, let, John let, White. Let me just let me just say that uh, because we at HRTV had to couldn't show that that Breeders' Cup Classic ourselves, mm. so I was uh, able to get away from the uh, set there at the uh, paddock area at Santa Anita, and I went out into the in front of the grandstand in the crowd near the 16th pole to watch that race, and. Uh, uh, I mean, it was unbelievable when she made that rally in the final quarter of a mile. But I can tell you, two Northwesterners, that that's only that's only the second race in my entire life that I turned my back to the track and looked at the grandstand for the race. Huh. The first time that happened, I bet enough on lack of boss at Yakima Meadows in 1974 <laughs> in the fall. He had won nine races that year coming into this race at Yakima Meadows. But Lackaboss was a terrible gate horse. And and uh, his only losses in 1974 were either in stakes races or when he dwelt or broke poorly at the start. And uh, this was a starter allowance race at six furlongs. And my feeling was if he, if he broke, if he got out of the gate okay, he was an absolute cinch. So I made a... Let's just say I bought many $10 win tickets on Lackaboss that day, and I turned. I was standing near the winner's circle, 
And I turned my back to the track and looked at the grandstand because all I wanted to do was to hear track announcer Gary Henson start call. And Gary Henson said, now they're all in the gate. The flag is up. There they go. Lack of boss. And see, my heart jumped right then because it could be lack of boss broke badly or lack of boss is going to the front. And Gary said, lack of boss is going to the front. And without even turning back around to the track, I walked directly to the $10 cashier window (laughs) while the race was still going. That's good. And, And I put all my tickets down on the counter and the gentleman who I dealt with all the time, being a rather large better, he knew me well. And he said, the race isn't over. And I said, well, yes, it is. <laughs> and Lackaboss won that race. It was his 10th win of the year. Wow. And with Zenyatta, when she came into the stretch, I turned around and faced the grandstand because I wanted to see and get a, a mental image in my mind, take a, a mental picture of the reaction of the crowd. And I did. And it was, that was as unbelievable as watching her win the race. And I turned back around before she hit the finish. But I'll never forget turning back around just to look at the reaction of the crowd that day. Mm, that's a good story. So John White's Breeders' Cup memory, Zenyatta's win in the 09 Breeders' Cup Classic, also a personal story for him in his first year doing the morning line and nailing that 5-2 to two on Zenyatta. Good memories there, John. Um you know, we have so much to look forward to, Breeders' Cup Friday and Saturday, as every year with these fantastic races, horses from all over. And this year, the anticipation and the build-up to the Classic, well, it's always there, but this year, it's even more so with Flight Line looming in the final Breeders' Cup race on Saturday. Quite the uh, build-up this year, John. No doubt about it, fellas. I mean, this is uh, as exciting as it gets, really because we're seeing an awesome talent. I mean, this is a superb equine athlete, no question about it. Uh, you know, you can quibble about where he ranks at this point or whether he actually should be ranked high on the list of the all-time greats because he has, he's only run five times. In fact, he hasn't even won, a, won in a big race. This will be his biggest race so far, the Breeders' Cup Classic but I don't think it's unfair to call him a great talent. And, uh, you know, when you start trying to think of where he might fit, uh, certainly he wouldn't go on my Mount Rushmore, for instance, of uh, thoroughbreds, because my Mount Rushmore in order is Man of War, Secretariat, Citation, and Kelso. And with the Secretariat, with the Man of War, I mean, when you look at what he did, it was absolutely phenomenal. He broke or tied American or world records for seven different distances. He carried big weight even as a two-year-old. Secretariat holds, he's run the fastest Kentucky Derby, Preakness, and Belmont in history to this day. Yep. Citation not only swept the Triple Crown, but he won 19 races in one year as a three-year-old. Think of that. 19 wins in one year. And then Kelso was a five-time horse of the year. So when you start looking at the all-time greats, and you look at Flightline, you say, well, he's got a long way to go to be up there with those. 
But as I say, he is a great talent. I think it's fair to say that he is one of the best horses we've seen in the last 20 or 30 years. I don't think there's any question about that. And certainly in terms of his performance in that Pacific Classic, I mean, that was uh, one for the ages, really. I mean, a lot of people have compared it to Secretariat Selma, even Dave Johnson. Now, everybody remembers Chick Anderson calling that 1973 Belmont Stakes on television for CBS with and he's moving like a tremendous machine. Yeah. And for those of us that watch that, of course, we'll never forget that. In fact, Jack Nicholas, the great golfer, was sitting in his den in his home in Florida, and he stood up all alone in his den and gave Secretariat a standing ovation as Secretariat was coming down the stretch that day. But this race, this win by flight line where he just absolutely destroyed the competition and that he made those horses look like a bunch of claiming horses. And the runner-up in the race, Country Grammar, won one of the biggest races in the world this year, the Dubai World Cup, a $10 million race. And he finished a, a distant second to Flightline that day. Flightline didn't break the track record, but uh, as I wrote in my expressbet.com blog, all jockey Flavia and Pratt had to do was either maybe flick his wrists or cough coming to the finish line, and he would have broken the track record. He was that close. I mean, it was a stupendous performance, and he certainly has set the bar high for this uh, Breeders' Cup Classic. I mean, here's a horse that if he wins by five lengths or six lengths or two lengths or something like that, people are going to be almost be a little disappointed because everybody wants to kind of see him go out and win by at least 10, 12, 15 lengths again, something like that, and uh, Quite frankly, the way I see it, fellas, is this. Unless we get a Shergard-type kidnapping before this race, I just can't see him getting beat in this race. I John, mean, yeah. he just towers over these horses. He got a 126 buyer speed figure in that Pacific Classic win. Ever since the buyers have gone public in their you know, early 1990s, that's the second-highest one, only taught by Ghost Sappers, 128 in 2004 and Gosapper would go on to win the Breeders' Cup Classic that year. And, uh, in fact, to put that 126 in perspective for Flightline, that buyer is higher than every single Breeders' Cup race that's ever been run in history so far. By mm. the winner of every Breeders' Cup race in history, no one has run a buyer as high as 126, which Flightline got in the Pacific Classic. Flightline, he's a billion-dollar auction purchase he's made that million dollar purchase look like the bargain of the century but you know john sometimes when we see a freakish performance like that and we're all season handicappers here don't we kind of have to you know when when you see something that great you know uh, regression usually in the next out when you see a freakish performance uh, on the other hand all of his starts to date could be qualified as that right that's exactly right, Vince. And you're one of the few people that have noticed. In fact, I was on an Arkansas radio program yesterday talking about the Breeders' Cup, and I pointed out this horse not only has won all five of his races by 62 and three-quarters lengths combined, but he's won every race off a layoff. I don't recall another horse doing something like this. I mean, and all triple-digit buyer speed figures, 
but every single win so far has been off the left. That in itself is a, is a tremendous accomplishment. And, uh, you know, he, the way he's trained into this race, I mean, only yesterday and today, this morning at Keeneland, he has looked absolutely like he's uh, <laughs> just full of energy. And, I mean, uh, it just, uh, it's really hard to picture how he could possibly get beat. On the other hand, Man of War got beat. Secretariat got beat five times. American Pharaoh got upset in the Travers. I mean, we, you know, we're, we are seasoned uh, race goers, and we know anything can happen. But it will certainly be shocking to me if this horse doesn't win. And certainly, I not only hope he wins, I hope he puts on another, you know, real show. And not only that, I hope he continues racing. I think if he wants to be ranked among the, the great up high on the list, he does need to continue racing. I, I think he needs to accomplish more uh, in terms of uh, putting himself up against the horses like a Seattle Slough and Affirmed and Dr. Fager and, you know, Native Dancer and these horses like that. So, uh, and I talked to Costaranas and one of the owners, you know, there is an ownership partnership and, uh, Terry Finley's involved in that with West Point Thoroughbreds and even Lane's End Farm is involved. They've all made sounds like there's, a, you know, the possibility he could continue running after the Breeders' Cup Classic, and I certainly hope that's the case. That would be fantastic, but boy, the anticipation is there uh, for this weekend at Keeneland Flight Line, uh, three to five on the morning line with. Five for five, his lowest margin. And I think I think he'll go lower than that. Yeah. I would have made him two to five. The record lowest odds for the Breeders' Cup Classic is Easy Goer, one to two in the nineteen eighty nine Breeders' Cup Classic at Gulfstream Park. And of course, Easy Goer got beat that day by his arch rival Sunday Silence. One of the reasons I think that you're going to see Flight Line a lower price than three to five is that Easy Goer was one to two with Sunday Silence drawing enough wagering support to be two to one. And you're not going to see Life is Good, Epicenter, Cava. They're not going to be close to two to one. No. So I That's... really think that you're going to, and there's been all this publicity for Flight Line. He's undefeated. Like I mentioned, he's won five races by a combined 62 and three quarters lengths. You know, I made him a one-to-five favorite in the Pacific Classic. I received some criticism on that, <laughs> similar to when I made Zenyatta five-to-two. And people were saying, what are you, not making this horse that low? And my feeling was, with all the hype and his undefeated record and so forth, he was going to be that kind of favorite. And he opened one-to-nine, he went one-to-five, and he never clicked higher than one-to-five, all the way to the starting gate again in that race. So... I really think you're going to see he might go one to two a notch below three to five, but I think you're looking at a two to five favorite. All right. And, you know, Vince, if uh, flight line wasn't one to five in the Pacific Classic, if he was any higher, John would have bet enough to make him one to five that day. (laughs) Well, uh, it's funny you should say that, Joe, because I actually did make a pretty substantial wager on him in the Pacific Classic. And so... I was kind of torn because I wanted him to stay one to five 
since people were criticizing me for making him that short a price. But financially, it would have been better for me if he'd clicked up the two to five. I would have made more money on the race. So yep, sure. I, I had a real conflict there in terms of, uh, but I was just as happy. You know, in the way he run the, won the race, it certainly looked like uh, making him one to five wasn't exactly uh, unrealistic. Not at all. I did want to mention to you guys before uh, I forget that I want to call your attention to a two-year-old who's making his debut in the first race at Keeneland on Breeders' Cup Saturday. Bob Baffert's got a colt in that race that they are sky high on. Some people feel that this colt might be better than Cave Rock, hmm. who is the four to five morning line favorite in Friday's Breeders' Cup Juvenile. This is a $2.3 million Uncle Mo colt by the name of Arabian Knight. So watch out for him. He's the two to one morning line favorite. But uh, I think your chances of seeing anything close to two to one are uh, like not even slim and none. I'd say they're none and none. You know, it's I think it'll be more like three to five or four to five. But the reason I'm bringing it up, you could always single them in any of the exotics, that type of thing. But more than that, uh, this could be really a, a future star that will kick off the Breeders' Cup uh, a day. In fact, I heard Sid Fernando on the uh, Steve Vick show. Uh, he's talked to Bob Baffert about Arabian Night and knows how high they are on him. And he's predicting that he'll win by something like 10 lengths. Now, we all also know in racing when people start getting this high on horses and there's all this kind of hype, sometimes they go out and lay an egg. But uh, going into this race, I can only say that uh, expectations are sky high for this horse on the first race Saturday at Keeneland to kick off the Breeders' Cup Saturday card. You know what's funny is that's that's uh, Z Down Racing that owns that horse, $2.2 million. I think they bought Medina Spirit for, was it 40000 and yeah, it was, it was a, a tremendous bargain buy. Yeah, sure. and, but since then, he's gotten a jazzle for $3.5 million and then this horse for $2.2 million. So uh, he's he's showing, uh, uh, he's gone quite the opposite from Medina Spirit. Yeah. Yes, he has. In fact, this one's $2.3 million. But uh, the, uh, the, I can point out, if you go to XBTV where they show workouts, if you check out the October 29th workout, that tells the tale right there. He worked in company with a four-year-old graded stakes winner by the name of Laurel River. And Laurel River on Saturday is running in the Breeders' Cup Dirt Mile and is 9-2 to two on the morning line and is considered a strong contender in the Breeders' Cup Dirt Mile. So Arabian Knight, as a two-year-old, held his own beautifully working in company with the Laurel River. Yeah, impressive. Very impressive. That's the first race on Saturday, November 5th, this Saturday, Breeders' Cup Saturday, Arabian Night in the first race, number four, two to one on the morning line. So, uh, John, um, that is some great stuff, historical references and currency as well. Uh, and you uh, are looking forward to this weekend like so many of us. And uh, always appreciate your time on horse racing northwest man always great to be with you guys i mean one of my other breeders cup memories i'll briefly mention is uh the last day i was ever at long acres was the skywalker won the long acres mile that day in a photo finish over bedside promise 
Lafitte Pinkai Jr. on Skywalker, Chris Wolseth on the Bedside Promise, an exciting finish to my favorite race, the Long Acres Mile. And later that year, I flew back to Los Angeles in the plane with Skywalker and trainer Michael Whittingham. But later that year, uh, while I was calling charts for the day of the racing forum, that was the first year I called Breeders' Cup charts. And I called that uh, Breeders' Cup Classic in which Skywalker upset the likes of Turkleman and Precisionist. And uh, so that was a thrill for me, not only to be calling Breeders' Cup charts, but that Skywalker, a Long Acres Mile winner, would win the richest race in the country. And the only other year I called Breeders' Cup charts for the racing form was the next year. Hmm. But that was quite a Breeders' Cup Classic, too, because you had a showdown between two Kentucky Derby winners. You had Ferdinand and Ali Sheba, and it came down to a photo finish between those two with Bill Shoemaker on Ferdinand and Chris McCarran on Ali Sheba with the Horse of the Year title on the line. And of all the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of charts I called through the years from daily, for daily racing form starting in 1974, that was my all-time favorite chart that I ever called. But... Uh, as I say, that was also a thrill to see Skywalker win that Breeders' Cup Classic uh, at Santa Anita in 1986. Very good. Yep, I was there at Hollywood on that day in 87 as well. So, uh, John, thank you so much. Have a great Breeders' Cup. And uh, fans, you can catch John, John's uh, weekly column. He's got all his top three selections. Uh, you can go to expressbet.com and get those or on Twitter as well. Right, John? That's absolutely right, Joe. Okay. Thanks, John, very much. Enjoy the weekend. Thanks, John. Thanks a lot, guys. John White joining us on Horse Racing Northwest. And uh, who finished third to Ferdinand over Ali Sheba in that 87 Breeders' Cup Classic? Judge Angelucci. That year's Long Acres Mile winner. That year's line. I've told the story where they're... I think it was Jay Randolph at that time interviewing Charlie Whittingham, and they, you know, they had the little monitor there by the set where they were watching the stretch run. And rather than talk about one of the great races of all time, Charlie Whittingham twice said, well, look at Judge Andalucci. He's still right in there, isn't he? You know, well, look at that. You know, he's, He certainly did. And, yeah, because he was a good third in that race. Solid so, third. Yeah. You bet. All right. Well, Arabian Night, something on the Breeders' Cup undercard to look forward to. Also on Friday – on the undercard call me fast is in the third race coming off a maiden victory in a real impressive race we mentioned him because he is owned by bob rondo and tom lambro trained by mike puich uh i think he's 10 to 1 on the morning line. that is correct okay i saw mike had a second back there today he did too. Yeah, off a claim a really yeah good effort there so call me fast a promising three-year-old in the undercard third race on friday Breeders' Cup Friday coming up tomorrow. Uh, we're going to take a short break, and we'll be back with Bill Downs and more on this year's Breeders' Cup here on Horse Racing Northwest. The biggest and best of the Northwest just got even better. Introducing the all-new Muckleshoot Rewards Program with three tiers and extraordinary benefits. Play with your Muckleshoot Rewards card to earn points for free play and qualify for dining discounts, gifts, and much more. The more you play, the more you earn. Enjoy more benefits than ever before with the new Muckleshoot Rewards Program. Muckleshoot Casino, the biggest and best in the Northwest. 
Horse Racing Northwest continues its Breeders' Cup week. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. And uh, we'll be back in a, a few weeks again with another, as we talked about Papa's Golden Boy and Blazing Bella Blue in action at Turf Paradise this weekend. Papa on Friday, Blazing Bella Blue on Saturday, both in stakes. And you heard uh, the call of the Muckleshoot Tribal Classic from Bill Downs. Closing weekend at Emerald Downs, Papa over Slew's Tiz Wiz in that great matchup. And joining us on Horse Racing Northwest from somewhere near Keeneland and Lexington, Kentucky, Emerald Downs track announcer Bill Downs. Bill, good afternoon. Hello, Joe. Long time no talk. Yeah, yeah. A few texts here and there. Uh, and Bill joining us. He's on his way to the 2022 Breeders' Cup. That's uh Good stuff for you, Bill. Yeah, I'm excited. A buddy of mine's playing in the Breeders' Cup betting challenge, and the you know his uh, his uh, wife couldn't go, and he's like, "Hey, you, you available?" I'm like, "Sure, why not?" You know, because it's not that far of a drive where I live in Pennsylvania, down to Lexington. And considering I I drove halfway or two thirds across the country <laughs> about a month ago, I'm like, "This is an easy drive." So. Um, decided to make the drive and picking him up from the airport and uh, we'll be there for the, the two days of uh, fun and frolic, if you will, uh, in, in the Breeders' Cup. That is great. Uh, Vince, I can tell Bill's fired up for this Breeders' Cup. He's talking fast. He is. And, and Bill, we, you were talking about a Mariners-Phillies World Series. You got half of them there, right? Yeah. I, I, I catch a little wager on the Phillies winning the National League when I was starting to talk about them and uh nice. just saw that they they had some bats and I said if their pitching's at least decent, they're uh they could they can make some noise. Now I didn't know if they could go on to win the World Series potentially. It's two two obviously. But uh they're they're in a great spot and uh, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, they are. Uh just a great move forward for Philly is uh Weren't they close to 500 in the regular season? They were. Well, they actually were slumping towards the end of the year, and it was dicey whether they were going to make the playoffs or not. And then they just caught yep. fire. Bill, I remember getting a text from you. The Mariners were blowing out the Astros in game one of the <laughs> ALCS. And then I got kind of an interesting text from you after he brought in uh, the left-hander there in the in the bottom of the ninth, Robbie Ray, and you were not pleased before the decision was wow. made. Really? Yeah. Oh yeah, I was not. I was not happy there. Robbie Ray is the, the one guy that uh, wasn't pitching well. Of, of the, if you're going to bring in a starter, uh, I was just I was a little confused on that one, but. Uh, <laughs> You know, that's, yeah, Bill that's said the, it before the, the homer. Of baseball. <laughs> yeah, Bill. If Bill said it before, that's great because there was so much. Yeah. As no, you Bill, can Bill said it right when the they when he waved okay. in. Like, what okay. is he doing? So. Because there was, as you might imagine, Bill out here in Seattle and uh, just tons and tons mm -hmm. and tons of rehashing over that move. But you were on that one as uh, mm -hmm. Bill became quite a great Mariner fan. This this season uh, as so many else did as well and what a season it was for the Mariners but uh, back to the Breeders Cup uh yeah you know um shoot we've got always anticipation on Breeders Cup the two-day event the last many years and uh, ending with the classic every year which is usually a pretty darn good race with the top horses in training in North America and sometimes the rest of the world but this year Bill uh, the anticipation is really something toward that final race. And even if you're out of money by then, uh, you're still going to watch the Breeders' Cup Classic this year. 
Yeah, I mean, Flightline ran as about as, as strong of a race I've, as I've ever seen in the Pacific Classic. Remember watching it with uh, Vince in the press box, and we're, we're we're just sitting there with our jaws wide open, just uh, just in awe of the brilliance of a flight line. And, you know, he doesn't have to have the lead and, but, you know, you got to run the race and it's not like he's going to get a, you know, free, uh, easy spot on the front end with a, a, a talented horse, such as life is good. Yeah. Right. And then, then you got the three-year-olds, you got Taiba. You also got, uh, um, epicenter epicenter is the one I like probably the most for Asmussen winner of the Traverse stakes. He'll sit back a little bit, let everything develop and see if there's a crack, if you will, uh, in, in flight lines game. And epicenter is probably the horse I like the most in the, in the Breeders cup classic. Very good. Mm. And you're probably going to get uh, eight to 10 to one on him. I would think with flight line being so low. Yeah, you know, it just depends. You know, three to five, I think, is a fair price. But, you know, it could go down to two to five. That's a big jump when you when you make a morning line going from three to five to two to five. Yep. But, you know, I think I think everyone's just going to be on top of the favorite all over the place, and rightfully so. I mean, he's about as good a looking favorite as you can find. But this is a pretty strong field in the Breeders' Cup Classic. It's got a, it's got a little bit of everything. It does, you know, and uh, Olympiad's had this sensational year, and he's just a big afterthought this year. So uh, is the Kentucky Derby winners an afterthought. That's right, <laughs> Rich Strike as well. So that's how good Flightline is, and uh, great anticipation for the 11th race on Saturday, the Breeders' Cup Classic. Flightline putting that. Uh, just sensational history. We've been talking about him, of course, with Anthony Stabile and John White, and uh, that'll end things, but so much going on before then. Uh, Bill is a, is an astute handicapper all around the nation, joined us at Emerald Downs this year, and, and I'm sure you've got a couple angles for this year's cup, Bill. Yeah, I, I kind of like a, a few horses on, on Saturday. I'm just uh, going through my uh, tablet here. Um, trying to pick out which ones to 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 throw out at there. You know, there's every race you, you seem to have an opinion of some sort. But I'll try and give a, a, an interesting long shot or two on Saturday. Okay. Uh, the sixth race, the Philly and Mare Turf race, that's the mile three sixteenths. Uh, Nashua's the favorite, but there's a horse uh, that uh, finished behind Nashua uh, in the Prix Opera, and her, her name is uh, Tuesday. She finished a six. Now, you know, you take a look at these PPs uh, it, it, on, in the daily racing forum or Brits, whatever you use, you don't get very much in terms of post position draw. You get a little bit of a comment. I like to watch these races. I like to see what happens. And I like to read after the race, what the connections have to say. And Tuesday had a very, very wide draw in that race on October the 2nd. And the jockey had to really use her early on to get in position. She just got tired a little bit late and, and she finished a pretty good six in that race. She's eight to one in the line. Ryan Moore is back aboard. Ryan's been aboard for both of her career wins. Uh, it's Aiden O'Brien, high-profile connection. So Tuesday's one I, I like uh, in Saturday's sixth race, uh, the Breeders' Cup Philly and Mare Turf. Very good. And, you know, Ryan Moore has just an outstanding percentage on Breeders' Cup turf races. He's, uh, I believe he's 14 on dirt. But uh, this is not dirt. This is Tuesday. And that's great info there, Bill, and watching the race personally, because it was a 16-horse field there, and she was beaten just two and a half lengths behind Nashua, who was beaten three quarters that day. So 8-1 to one Tuesday with Ryan Moore in the Philly and Mare turf. Uh, where else might you want to go? 
I do like one in the Breeders' Cup Mile. It's one that I watched uh, with Vince once again uh, in, in the press box at Emerald Downs. Uh, it was a race at uh, Del Mar, and it's uh, from the Baffert Barn. We're talking about the uh, the Breeders' Cup Dirt Mile, and it's uh, Laurel River. And I've been I, I just love this horse when he came into the race. He went off at a pretty good price um, in the was Pat O'Brien Stakes, I believe. And uh, he just and then Baffert's laid him up since then. He was pointing him towards uh, the, uh, the the dirt mile as opposed to the sprint because he thinks better at mile as opposed to six furlongs. And he's one I know it's nine to two in the line, but uh, Laurel River is one I very very high on in that dirt mile. That is great. Yeah, Laurel River comes in super sharp. He's got what Cyberknife and uh, Goodnight in there to go against, but uh, uh, a Baffert horse that's really on. Uh, good form and pointed toward this race. So there's a couple on Saturday. Um, anything else in there? That Yeah, you know, uh, while we're at it, we might as well keep on going. The sure. Breeders' Cup distap the, the ninth race on on Saturday. I'm going to try and beat Malice at uh, with, um, I like two in here. I like the favorite Nest. The Nest is one that uh, I liked in the Belmont Stakes, if you remember, Joe. Mm-hmm. Um she finished second in the Belmont Stakes, and after that, she's rattled off three graded stakes wins in a row. Coaching Club American Oaks, Alabama, and the Bell Dam winning by daylight in all three races. And uh, Nest is is going to be very tough to beat. But there's a filly on the outside is a late bloomer from, from Asmussen, the eight-horse society, uh, won the Cotillion Stakes at, uh, at Parks. Before that, I was kind of a little bit skeptical about her because – you know, she won the Charlestown Oaks, but that's the kind of a, you know, that's not kind of, it's a bullring type of track. And it could be difficult uh, you know, to take that form and go to a bigger track and be as dominant. But dominant she was in the cotillion. She's the fastest, I think, out of the gate. Um, I'm not worried about the pose. I think she clears off. I think she's going to be difficult to catch, even though Nest is a very talented filly. And then I'll give you, um, you know, I like this, I like this, uh, the 10th race as well, the Breeders' Cup turf race. And this race is not the most, it's not the best uh, Breeders' Cup turf race I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. Uh, I do respect the mare, uh, Warlike Goddess, who has, she gets any sort of pace. She has an inside post. She's very, very talented. I can see her winning the race. Stone Age, another one from Aiden O'Brien, Ryan Moore. Uh, last couple of races, uh, uh, going up against the best of the best in Europe. Uh, in the in the and the, in their Breeders' Cup race, if you will, that they have in mid October at Ascon and the Irish Champion Stakes, finishing fifth in both of those races. Uh, Aiden O'Brien uh, made comments. You know, his two American runs uh, were both at shorter distances. He I, he says a mile and a half is his best distance. So Stone Age at fifteen to one, I thought was interesting. And then uh, Mishriff, who was uh, uh, not not in great form, but. He's been taking on the best of the best over in Europe as well. Ran the Arc, the Irish champion, the Junmont. I mean, these are the best races in Europe uh, in, in middle distances. Now, they call them middle distances. We call them longer races. But for them, they're middle distance type races. But uh, Mishriff is uh, one uh, uh, with Frankie Dettori, I think, at 6-1. to one, is another one I like in that Breeders' Cup turf. Mishriff, I'm just looking at his sheet right now, fellas, and I'm seeing his last 13 starts have all been Group 1 races. So, yeah, he, he hadn't won in a while, yeah. but I like the connections. John Gosden, I think, has a good history coming over here, and I think they're making an equipment change. Is that right, Bill? Which is Blake really really unusual for a European horse at this stage of the career. Yeah, five-year-old. Yeah, yeah. you know, in, in the arc, he kind of got too far back. 
And, you know, it was, it was a, you know, there was a lot of cut in the ground. You know, just the winner of that race wasn't that, didn't come from the clouds or anything. So it wasn't like it was a, a race where the speed just backed up and he didn't run, he didn't run a lick. You know, Alpista, uh, who won the arc, just was sitting in like in, right off the lead uh, in about fourth place. So it wasn't like another closer one. And, you know, like I said, it was, it was there was a lot of cut in the ground that day. Not going to be, even though there might be a slight chance of rain uh, on Saturday, but uh, Mishrif is uh, is one I think you can give you can give him another chance, even though he he is on a bit of a losing streak. But like I said, this is not the strongest Breeders' Cup turf I've ever seen in my life. So I I think that uh, he he does have a, a legitimate chance in this race. Frankie Dettori aboard Mishrif. So there's uh, some some price angles for Bill and Bill. Uh, has qualified for the NHC nine times. Uh, how about for this coming January, Bill? Well, um, well, they moved it back, whatever, meaning oh, uh, I think February. it's like in March this year, oh, okay. or next year, I should say. Yeah. Um, I took a shot at a contest in Hawthorne. I uh, didn't get there. I haven't really played that much. I've been kind of all over the place, uh, traveling, uh, seeing some people after the Emerald Meets, going up to a Packer game. Uh, seeing my stepdad in Chicago, visiting some friends all over the place. So I'll see if I can get a, a spot or two uh, to try and qualify for next year. Yeah, that's great. Lots of travel time for Bill, including driving uh, two-thirds of the way across the country in September. Uh, okay, well, there's some angles from Bill on the Breeders' Cup. He'll be there this weekend. Now, do you have special accommodations since your buddy is in the uh, – contest or do you have to sit? yeah he's got uh, he's from lexington and he uh he's got relatives that, that live right downtown and and they've got plenty of room so that, um, we're staying there and then of course with him being in the in the uh in the, in the breeders cup uh, betting challenge um you know they get, they set you up a little bit as well and you yeah. get to bring a guest that is great that'll be a great weekend for you so Bill, as we do, as you well know, on Horse Racing Northwest, we transition toward the end of the podcast, and we're going to go to sports shorts. And uh, I'll go first. Uh, we had a no-hitter in the World Series last night. Houston, uh, Christian Javier pitched the first six innings of no-hit ball, and his teammates combined to no-hit the Phillies. And it goes back to when I was a little kid, and I do remember this, and of course, reading about it in the 60s, Harvey Haddix of the Pittsburgh Pirates pitched 12 perfect innings, 36 up, 36 down in a 1959 regular season game. Uh, his third baseman made an error in the 13th, and there was a sacrifice, an intentional walk, and Joe Adcock hit a home run. And uh, Commissioner Warren Giles for some reason, later reduced that to a double. Nonetheless, uh, Harvey Haddix lost that game, but is one of the most memorable days in baseball history with 12 perfect innings, not just a no-hitter, but a 12-inning perfect game, and uh, that ties into last night's game. So there you have it. Uh, let's go to Vince. Okay, uh, mine's on a similar theme. I guess we're on a little bit of a baseball huh. theme here. Um Watching the uh, playoffs earlier a few weeks back, and uh, the Mets and the Padres are playing, and the Padres were on kind of a surprising roll, and they're out in front of the game. I think it was seven to nothing, and Buck Showalter, the 
Mets manager goes out to the mound and he waves in a left-hander from the pen and it was none other than Dave Peterson, a 6'6 left-hander from Arcadia, California. And Dave is the son of Doug Peterson who trained Seattle Slough in his four-year-old year and Doug started a horse in the Long Acres Mile one year and a nice gentleman, a big fella. I got to know him a little bit before he unfortunately passed away. And he would have been so proud to see his son there pitching in, uh, on national TV. And I was hoping uh, the announcer, I don't know if it was Bob Costner or not, because it's a great note, you know, to, to say, hey, you know, this guy's dad trained Seattle Slough, who kind of transcends sports. But they didn't mention it. I was a little disappointed in that. But congratulations to uh, uh, yeah. late Doug Peterson on his son making the big leagues. You betcha. That's big stuff. And let's go to Bill for his sport short. Well, uh, Breeders' Cup related. Okay. I being on the show and coming on to uh, coming going to the Breeders' Cup this year. I thought, when's the last time I was at the Breeders' Cup? And it was back in 2012. I was actually playing in the Breeders' Cup betting challenge, and I was doing okay. I had a little bit over. Uh, I mean, it made some money, so I was sitting in a spot where if I, uh, you know, I took a swing, and if I would have connected, uh, could have uh, really knocked one out of the ballpark. So it was a year, um, 2012, in the Breeders' Cup Classic, and I went all in, basically. I put probably like about 90% of my money to win and like maybe like uh, 10% of it to place or something. I can't remember exactly. But it was the biggest win bet of my life and to this day. I mean, it was obnoxious how much money I was, was spending uh, on, on, this, uh, on this race. But you got to do it. You have to really go all in, especially in a, in, in, in a contest with the Breeders' Cup Betting Classic which has hundreds and hundreds of people uh, that are uh, trying to, to get, knock one out of the ballpark as well. So I, I put it on a horse named Mucho Macho Man. He was sitting in second and behind a horse named Fort Larned. Fort Larned was 9-1. to one. Mucho Macho Man was 6-1. to one. And uh, they were 1-2 uh, going into the stretch. And uh, Fort Larned was able to hold on by probably like about a head over Mucho Macho Man. And uh, my... my, uh, my my dreams of uh, winning the Breeders' Cup betting classic went down with that defeat, but it was such a great weekend. Uh, ironically, I was with my buddy, the same buddy who's, uh, um, you know, who I'm going to be with, hanging with this weekend. Uh, I also remember my late dad was out at Santa Anita as well. And so it was just a, it was a, a wonderful, wonderful uh, weekend uh, the last time I was at the, uh, at the Breeders' Cup. Yep. yep, I was there that day, and I know little Mike won the race before the turf. Me uh, and Joe had been following him all year. Wasn't yeah. that the race, the classic? Was that when Quality Road, who's now a great sire, wasn't he scratched at the gate? No, was that, that a, was, I think, was the that race before? that Shared Belief was in and Bayern So won. that was 2014 or yeah, 13? Yeah. Okay, probably the year after, yeah. Right. Uh, I think uh, Game On Dude was the favorite in, in the race you're talking yep. about, wasn't Yeah, that he? was, yeah. yeah. Well, okay, that's the 2012 Breeders' Cup Classic, and, and uh, Bill's certainly aware that Mucho Macho Man won it the next year, uh, the Classic. Yeah, I know, Harry I had him that year a little bit, but I wasn't in the Breeders' Cup betting challenge <laughs> yeah. that year. <laughs> Fair enough. Bill, you have a great weekend back there in Kentucky at the Breeders' Cup. Uh, just so many great opportunities for horse fans, and uh, you're right there in the thick of it. And give your uh, give your buddy some good advice tomorrow and, and and Saturday. I'll try. Okay, I'll try. Thanks, guys. Thanks, you, thanks much, Bill. Bill Downs, our track announcer, joining us from the road. He is uh, destination Lexington, Kentucky, and the Breeders' Cup, and. Uh, Hey, Sai, should we just uh, keep going all the way until um, 
the classic on Saturday on this podcast? What do you think? <laughs> oh, we can't do that. It's a podcast. Sorry about that. All right, Vince, uh, some selections for the Breeders' Cup. Bill has some good decisive angles and a lot of flight line talk. We heard some picks from Anthony Stabil as well. Um, I've got, uh, I'm going to go in, uh, what is it? The Juvenile Turf Sprint on Friday. And where's my notes? I lost them all. Uh, why don't you take over for a second here while I find my piece of paper? Well, go ahead. You okay. got it there. Um, I I actually, I, I know I had it, but... Uh, is this it? No, that doesn't have the Juvenile Turf thing. But okay, uh, the Six Horse. How's that for starters? Let's see here. Juvenile Turf Sprint. It starts with a P. It's a European horse. Juvenile Turf Sprint. Um, on the wrong page here. That, of course, would be Friday where we have all the juvenile races. There we go. The Stars of Tomorrow. I really like this horse. I can't remember his name. His name is Persian Force. And he's run seven times already as a juvenile. He's got three wins, three seconds, and a third. But, you know... His last two races, he's finished second and third. The winner of each race is Blackbeard, who is absolutely dominant in Europe in juvenile turf race sprints. He's six wins from eight starts. So Persian Force is tactical. He gets away from Blackbeard. Uh, he's running three straight group one races, placed in all of them. And he is uh, he's either 12 or 15 to 1 morning line. So I'm on Persian Force in the Juvenile Turf Sprint on Friday. Which would be tomorrow, yes. right? Because we're taping here on Thursday. Okay, I'm going to go to Saturday. Okay. Race 3 is the $1 million Breeders' Cup Philly and Mare Sprint. And I like this horse a lot. This is number 11, Wicked Halo. She's a three-year-old. She's facing tougher. I know that. She's facing older horses, which, of course, is a tough assignment and all that. Um, and we see a lot of great breeding in the Breeders' Cup, of course, Joe. But how about this? Uh, she's by Gunrunner out of a Taffet mare named Just Wicked, who was a graded winner. Wicked Halo's 10 to 1 on the line. She's on a four-race winning streak. Each race is better than the previous one. She's got great tactical speed. Um... What post did she draw? She Not drew the I... 11, which at Keeneland is good. I looked up seven furlongs okay. going back to 2014. The farther out you are, pretty much the better. Uh, Tyler Gaffalione up. She's improving. And what I like about her, it's just seven furlongs hits her right between the eyes. I mean, she's 2-1-0 and oh in three starts at the distance. Her mother was a graded winner at six and a half furlongs twice. I mean, this is just the, what she's bred to do, and I think she can fall in right behind the speed, and uh, I think she's going to be right there at the eighth pole, and we'll see if she's good enough. I mean, her speed figures say she's not, but she's improving, and every race has been better than the previous one. So uh, great connections with Steve Asmussen, who I think has a chance to run one-two here with Echo Zulo on the far outside, and uh, we'll see where that puts her. But hey. certainly a 10-to-1 on the line. I think she's worth a shot. And you know what I like additionally about her? She's in those four, that four race winning streak. She's won at three different tracks and second and third behind her have been different horses in all four right. races. So she's just whipping everybody that comes across her. Yeah. Yeah. And they, it sure looks to me like they've been training her up with the big assignment, you know, to have her peaking for the Breeders' Cup and it, and we'll see. I mean, uh, I think she's worth a shot. It's very tough, of course. It's a big field.
Sire Gunrunner of Wicked Halo. Gunrunner, my gosh. This is a homebred for Winchell, yeah. Yeah, how many good horses does he have? I think the uh, leading all-time Breeders' Cup sire is seven wins. Into Mischief, I believe, has six or seven. Um, I, you know what's escaping me? The son of Northern Dancer who had all those turf winners for all those years. Oh, yeah. European sire. He's, uh, he's, <laughs> he's slipping my mind. I'm sorry about yeah. that. But he, he's right on top with Into Mischief. And um, yeah, as I take a quick look, trying to find him. Anyway, okay, there is a uh, 10 to 1 angle. Persian Force 15 to 1. I kind of like Raging Sea in the Juvenile Philly. She drew post 14, mm -hmm. but it's a mile and a 16th. That's a big, big difference you from bet. a flat mile. There's time. And she's tactical as well. She's 8 to 1 Raging Sea in the Juvenile Philly. So there's a couple of picks from... Us guys, uh, myself, Vince, and Bill Downs, who was, of course, a regular on horse you know, racing Northwest all it, year. It's funny, like Bill uh, and John, we respect them both. I think between the two of them, Bill's, Bill seems to think there's a little more chance for <laughs> Flightline to, yeah. to, to get beat. Well, uh, after seeing the Pacific Classic, it just is, you know, incredible to imagine a horse doing something that he did that day and then eased up at the finish and as john said he could have just uh pratt could have just coughed at him and he would have well and if he does something like that again then even after only six races then it is start to uh, you know i'm always on the air on the so let's let's wait a little while here before we start lumping something in with the all-time greats but boy <laughs> and you know who's happy as well this weekend in anticipation is mickey taylor uh, who, uh, you know, the owner of Seattle Slough and uh, just loved uh, talking about Slough. He joined us so many times on the radio and here at Emerald Downs, Mickey and Karen coming out for the Seattle Slough stakes for so many years because Flightline is by Tappet, Tappet by Pulpit, Pulpit by AP Indy, AP yeah. Indy by Seattle Slough. That line uh, continues with you greatness. Uh, okay, trivia. Um, our last question, I, I didn't get any winners. Uh, Emerald Down Stakes winning sires who've sired Emerald Down Stakes winning horses. And we've got a pretty good list now. I asked, uh, you know, name as many as you could. Flying with Eagles sired a couple of winners, Exclusive Eagle and Gadget Queen. Demon Warlock, Little Less Talk, his best horse. Maker's Mark, Sired Maker's Finale, Raise the Bluff has a couple, Nationhood has a couple, Attaboy Roy a couple, Nusito, Sired Dutton, and this year, Gold Rush Dancer, our 217, 2017 Long Acres Mile Hero, Sired Annette Marie, a winner of the Washington Cup. So pretty good growing list there of Emerald Down Stakes winning horses who have sired Emerald Down Stakes winners. So uh, a little easier question this week. Send your answers to Emerald Downs, or excuse me, to trivia at emeralddowns.com. Trivia at emeralddowns.com. Name the leading active horse with the most Emerald Down stakes wins. Active horse as of, you know, a month or two ago that has the most Emerald Downs stakes victories. Send your answers to trivia at emeralddowns.com. And... Uh, Big weekend with uh, football, the World Series, and, of course, the Breeders' Cup. And, again, gates open at 8 a.m. on Friday, 7 a.m. on Saturday at Emerald Downs. 
floors three and five are open on Saturday, bright and early, and Quick Picks, of course, open then. One of my favorite weekends of the year, and I know you feel the same way. Yeah, looking forward to it. Hey, thanks to Anthony Stabil, John White, and Bill Downs, Joe Withy, and Vince Brune. Thanks to oh. Side Labar. Wanted to also mention the passing of a mile winner, Bud oh. Royale, oh, okay. who we saw here in 1999. Great horse for the Sengaras, the full brother of Tiz now. How about that? And That's uh, right. Speaking of the Breeders' Cup, and he had a great run, finished second in the Breeders' Cup Classic also. So, same uh, year he won the mile, right? Yeah, so what, how old did we figure he would have been? Uh, 27, I think. He was I a three-year-old in 96. Okay, so 93, he'd be 20, 29 years yeah, old. So yeah. good, nice life for uh, Bud Royale, one of the, certainly one of the best horses ever to race at Emerald Down. You better believe it. Okay, that's it. Thanks for joining us on Horse Racing Northwest.